Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz. Want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. I hope you all are doing well tonight. If you are joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. Want to welcome everyone from Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Let me say hello to some of you. We have Singer Chick with us, Khaleesi, Cece Wheezy. Welcome. Carl Grimes is with us. Lindsay Sparks is with us on Facebook. On the Instagram side, we have Kyle Stanley. Mary Martins42 is with us. Welcome, everybody. So, did you guys get to see the interview yesterday with Alexa Neesonson? Man, what a talented, lovely, brilliant young woman. Uh, she's already a star in Charlie, playing Charlie on Fear the Walking Dead. And she is just going to be a huge star moving forward in her career. She's only 14 years old. And I swear, talking to her yesterday, there were many moments throughout the interview that I had to kept kept reminding myself that she is just 14 years old because she is just so smart and intelligent and just carries herself in such a professional way. It, it was amazing. It was a great conversation. I hope you guys got to see it. If you missed it and you want to see it, you could see it on our YouTube channel, which is called Dead Talk Live, and of course on our website, deadtalklive.com. And some scheduling notes, we do have uh, two more interviews coming up over the next two days. We are going to have the two main stars of Netflix's hit zombie show, Black Summer. Tomorrow, we're going to have Justin Chu Carey, who plays Spears on Black Summer, and then the next day, this Thursday, we are going to have Jamie King, who plays Rose on Black Summer. And Jamie King has a long career. She started out as a fashion model, top fashion model, went into acting, has been in numerous movies such as My Bloody Valentine, and on and on and on. And we know now that she is the star of Black Summer, which is going to come back for season two. Don't know when. That is definitely going to be one of the questions I'm going to ask both of them over the next two days. Are they done filming it? Is it just in post-production? Because it's been two years. It's been two years since we got the uh, season one of Black Summer, that amazing season one of Black Summer. And uh, when is season two coming out? You know, I don't know if they're done filming. Are they still in the process of filming? I think they're pretty much done with filming. And it's probably a post-production thing. And Netflix is just waiting for the proper time to release it. But anyway, I cannot wait for season two of Black Summer. And if you guys have not watched it, watched it, it is available on Netflix. And I know a large, I mean, almost everyone has Netflix. And you're looking for something to watch. The first season is seven episodes. The last episode, okay? If you're kind of iffy about watching the series because uh, you're not too sure about it, the last episode uh, of season one, uh, episode seven, it's only seven episodes, is like 22 minutes long. Now, take away the credits, it's maybe a 20-minute episode. But it is, from the start to the end, action-packed. Uh, now we all here are Walking Dead fans. Uh, you know, we love the Walking Dead, but that last episode, that finale of Black Summer season one, uh, I have no words to describe it. We have seen the zombie apocalyptic world portrayed in the Walking Dead and Black Summer is rage zombies, as opposed to the snail zombies, the slow crawlers that we have on The Walking Dead. These are the scary, they will run up to you and smash their face up against your windshield, do whatever it takes to get themselves to you. And that action sequence and that final episode, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there will be spoilers tomorrow and Thursday. So uh, if you guys haven't watched it and are in the mood to go on a big binge watch over the next 24 hours, just go ahead and watch Black Summer. And if you're on the fence about it, 
just watch the final, the finale. And I guarantee you, after you watch the finale, you're going to go back and watch the first six episodes of Black Summer. Anyway, that's coming up tomorrow with Spears. Justin uh, Chu Carey is going to be with us. And on Thursday, Jamie King. So Spears and Rose coming up Wednesday and Thursday. You guys don't want to miss it. And as Stonewalker has pointed out, Black Summer is reportedly sort of like the beginning of the, the apocalyptic world for Z Nation. Now, those you those of you guys who watch me often, you know that I am not a big Z Nation fan. Uh, I just don't like it. So, but Black Summer is completely different. What they're saying, it's the prequel. They're just saying it's the same universe, okay? Of how uh, the Z Nation zombie thing started. You can see it in Black Summer, but two totally, completely different shows. Z Nation was more of a lighthearted sort of comedy. It would flip-flop back and forth. That's why I didn't like it. If you're going to make a comedy, make it a comedy. If you're going to make it bloody and gory, make it bloody and gory. If it's going to be a drama, make it a drama. They were just sort of like all over the place. And I know there are a lot of Z Nation fans out there. And just for me, I gave it a chance. I just, after that Liberty Bell episode where they tied the Liberty Bell onto the back of a truck and smashed a whole bunch of zombies, I'm like, that's it. That's it. I, I can't go on. I gave this a chance. I think it was like episode four of season one. So I gave it a chance. I just, I couldn't continue. I couldn't continue with it. Anyway, moving on. Um... Singer Chick writes, me neither. Z Nation was too corny. Almost half a comedy. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It was all over the place. Uh, Stone Walker writes, Z Nation went to my hometown for production. That's very cool. Uh, now, Zombieland, I liked Zombieland. I loved Zombieland because it was a consistent theme. It wasn't a dark horror uh, type, you know, show like Black Summer. Uh, when it comes to darkness, yeah, the walk. Sorry. Shut up, Siri. When it comes to darkness, yeah, you have The Walking Dead, which is a dark show. Black Summer is as dark, if not even darker, than The Walking Dead. Uh, but Zombieland was a movie. It was meant to be lighthearted, and they kept that theme throughout, and I, I loved it. I loved Zombieland. Did not like Z Nation. Anyways, we got a brand new video submission from uh, Thais Batera, who makes some of the best video edits. We are lucky to have a bunch of people uh, on our team that submit these brilliant video edits. This is a Walking Dead Rick Grimes tribute to all the times that poor Rick Grimes has lost his mind on The Walking Dead. And, you know, we all know the famous one after Laurie died and his hallucinations. And we were all wondering if Rick Grimes was ever going to come back to reality. Luckily, he did. He did. And, uh, you know, he had to do it quick because he had the governor coming right up his ass. Anyway, guys, let's check out this video. It is uh, rightfully called Crazy. It's from our contributor, Thais Baitera. Rick Grimes. Here we go. Check it out. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind There was something so pleasant about that place Even your emotions had an echo in so much space Crazy Does that make me 
So there you guys have it. Awesome video. Uh, Thais, who's with us right now on YouTube under the name TB Edits. Thank you so much for submitting that. I love how uh, songs are being remade that are from like 10, 20 or more years ago into sort of like today's style. That song is not an original, guys. It's a cover uh, from song way back, 20 plus years ago. Crazy. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, great video to the times where uh, Rick Grimes definitely lost uh, some marbles. And uh, who in the post-apocalyptic world does not go crazy to some degree? They're not the same people they were before everything went to hell. So anyway, Philip Thompson on Facebook loved it. Uh, Stonewalker writes, I made a CRM suit with duct tape and fad. All right. Uh, I got to see a picture of that. Uh, Want to welcome Connie, who's joining us on Facebook. Welcome, Connie. So let's get on to uh, some news. I want to wish a happy birthday. Today is Tyler Maine's birthday. Tyler Maine is the actor who portrayed Michael Myers in the 2007 Halloween remake by Rob Zombie. Tyler Maine is uh, turned 54 today, so we want to wish Tyler a very happy birthday. Hope he's having a great day. Now, moving on to some other news, The Walking Dead star Lauren Cohen reveals role in new project. The Walking Dead star Lauren Cohen has offered fans a first glimpse at her new project outside of the popular horror drama. The actor, who of course plays Maggie on the AMC hit series, took to Twitter on Saturday to share the teaser trailer for the upcoming music video for Tom's Petty for Tom Petty's "Something Could Happen." And speaking of teaser and trailer, guys, uh, uh, Cudlets, Michael Cudlets, who, by the way, Michael Cudlets is coming back to our show. I spoke to Michael a couple of days ago. And uh, Michael Cudlitz, who of course played Abraham and a whole bunch of other stuff uh, on The Walking Dead, director, is currently, they're wrapping up production of a new TV show called Clarice. Clarice is, takes place, is, well, first of all, it's the character of Clarice Starling from Silence of the Lambs. And the TV show that Michael Cudlitz is starring in, it takes place a year after Clarice goes back into the field, okay? So I do not believe Hannibal Lecter is going to be in the Clarice storyline, but it's going to be a CBS show. It is premiering in the spring, and I spoke with Michael Cudlitz literally like two days ago, and I asked him if he would be interested in coming back shortly before the premiere date to talk about it. 
And he said, absolutely, yes. And if you guys have been watching this show for a while, Michael Cudlitz was like our very first interview. And I am kicking myself in the butt because it was no more than two episodes after we interviewed Michael that I switched this live stream to full video, basically with me on camera as well as my guests. Michael Cudlitz was my first ever real uh, interview on this show way back uh, in the middle or end of May of this year. So he's going to be coming back and we're going to get him on video this time. Michael Cudlitz, Abraham, is going to be coming back to be talking about his new show, Clarice. Okay, so very excited about that. Uh, anyway, going back to uh, Lauren Cohen, the Walking Dead star offered, a fan, offered fans a first glimpse at her new project outside, of course, of The Walking Dead. The actor who plays survivor Maggie Ree on the AMC series took to Twitter to share that teaser. I was honored to be a part of this project, Cohen told her followers, noting that it was directed by Warren Fu, who has played with the likes of Snoop Dogg, Katy Perry, The Weeknd, and Dua Lipa. On Tuesday, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, join us at the premiere event with the collaborators of Tom's other iconic videos. She added, love to all. And I think it's great that Lauren Cohen is going to be appearing in a music video. I mean, that's just something that you don't really see that much of today. Uh, now, I didn't even know that music videos are even a thing. I remember way back in the day, music videos were like the thing uh, for new songs being released. That's how MTV, if, you, if we have MTV fans out there, which I'm sure we do, uh, that's how MTV started. MTV was literally a music t TV station where they aired music videos. Now it's become a lot more than that with a whole bunch of reality shows and whatnot. But yeah, you know, to give you guys a little history lesson there. Anyway, in the tweet, Cohen also shared a link to uh, Tom Petty's official YouTube page where the music video will premiere on Tuesday, December 8th, which is today. Uh, while Cohen was has technically been a part of The Walking Dead for nearly a decade, she was absent for a third of its ninth season and almost all of its follow-up installment as well. As you know, we just saw her in the last episode for a little bit in the finale of season 10. Uh, since the episode aired, however, the network and the creators behind the zombie-filled outing have decided to extend season 10 by a further six episodes, which Cohen will be a part of. And whether you, uh, I keep repeating myself on this, but whether you want to call those six extra episodes season 10 or 11, they're neither or. It's just six extra episodes episode sandwiched between season 10 or 11. She goes on to say it's exciting. The first episode for this bridge is to me the most exciting Walking Dead episode I've ever read. I was terrified. Cohen told Digital Spy and other media back in October. There's a big untapped well considering where she's been the last eight years. The thing I'm most excited about exploring is my relationship with my son, Herschel. Uh, she continued referencing Maggie's son, Herschel, who has, uh, who she had with her late husband, Glenn. So there you guys have it. Any Tom Petty fans, Lauren Cohen fans, that is being released today. You can go ahead and check it out on Tom Petty's official YouTube channel. Um... So let's see, Stonewalker writes, they have MTV channel from the older days playing videos. Yeah, but that's not the main MTV channel anymore. That's like become what, MTV number three? Because they have multiple MTV channels now. But when MTV first came out, guys, it was just one channel on cable. I remember the day it launched, actually. And it was just music videos and music-related news. Anyway, next thing on the list is Daryl Dixon 
Backstory Origin Explained. Surviving a zombie apocalypse is difficult enough for the characters featured in The Walking Dead, but some figures like Daryl Dixon experience tough situations well before the fall of society. Norman Reedus has played the fan favorite since season one of the AMC drama since it debuted in 2010. In the decades since, Daryl has emerged as a vital member of the group, acting as Rick Grimes' right-hand man and a leader in his own right. Following the conclusion of The Walking Dead, Reedus will co-headline the spinoff that we've been talking about for a while now with fellow character Carol, played by Melissa McBride. Daryl was officially introduced in the season one episode titled Tell It to the Frogs. He and his older brother Merle Dixon were members of the Survivor group in focus despite having viewed... uh, despite having been viewed as outsiders based on their harsh demeanors. And that's their nice way of saying that basically Merle was a racist and Daryl just pretty much went along with whatever his older brother Merle said and did. Despite that fact, the group left Merle for dead. Daryl stuck around when the survivors relocated to the family, to the Green family farm and eventually the prison. As time went on, the reserve Daryl began to open up, particularly bonding with Carol and Beth Green. As the group continuously faced new threats, Daryl has always emerged as one of the most skilled when it came to protecting himself and others, thanks to his trusty crossbow. And that crossbow, man, it has survived, well, 10 seasons, but depending on which reference you use in the Walking Dead timeline, anywhere between 12 to 20 years. Like I said, we've talked about this timeline and how confusing it is, but it's been a lot of years, and that crossbow has been with him since the beginning. He has been separated from it numerous times, whether it was a Terminus, uh, Dwight, when Dwight stole it from him, it always keeps finding its way back to Daryl. It's sort of like Thor's hammer, okay? So that crossbow is Daryl Dixon's hammer, as it is to Thor. Anyway, out of all the characters featured in The Walking Dead, uh, Daryl's arc featured the most character growth in the early stages of the apocalypse. Daryl was still a bit of a loner. Ten seasons later, the figure serves as one of the key leaders for the linked communities. Absolutely. He has stepped up, and not in the way he did not take over Rick's role. Rick was the big speech giver and all that. Daryl knew, and Norman even gave an interview about this and said, that is not what Daryl is about. Daryl likes to lead by example. Daryl likes to lead by protecting those that he cares for. And I think they've done that great on the show. Though he still has his quiet tendencies, Daryl has gone out of his way to look after even the youngest group members, particularly Lydia and Judith. He might be one of the last surviving original faces of the series, but his journey has been made more remarkable since Daryl's character didn't come from the comic books. That said, the TV show made an effort to give Daryl a backstory, and it's quite tragic. Daryl's admiration for his older brother was, was established in The Walking Dead Season 1. It turned out that the Dixon brothers grew up in the mountains of Georgia with their redneck parents, whereas their father was an abusive alcoholic. Their mother, their mother also neglected her sons, until her untimely death due to a house fire caused by a cigarette. How many of you guys knew that little tidbit? Anyway, since Merle spent a lot of time in juvenile detention, Daryl learned how to fend for himself. He continued to do so when Merle joined the military, but they eventually reunited, living as drifters. And uh, 
that became even more so after the world fell apart. Uh, I'm a white boy on YouTube rights. Daryl's going to give uh, Carol his hammer in the new show. Like, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, no, I don't see Daryl giving Carol his hammer. Um, CC Weezy writes, I know guys like Daryl. Yeah, we like Daryl. Daryl is kick-ass. How can you not like uh, uh, Daryl Dixon? He's awesome. He's just awesome. Uh... T-A-R on Instagram writes, thanks a lot. Thanks for bringing Alexa Neeson. No problem, Tar. She was a pleasure to talk to you yesterday. An amazing interview talking about Alexa Neeson, who, who was our guest yesterday, who plays Charlie on Fear the Walking Dead. Now, when the world was turned upside down, the brothers stuck together, but thankfully Daryl let go of his brother's hateful views. After Merle's death in The Walking Dead, he forged his own path by not following in his brother's footsteps and finding hope even in the darkest of situations. Merle has never been a great mentor, but Daryl has the chance to guide other survivors to a better future in the remaining seasons of The Walking Dead and beyond into his own spinoff show that he is going to get with Carol. And that is fascinating. There were a lot of little tidbits in there that I did not know. Merle going to the military, I swear to God, I do not remember that being mentioned anywhere on the show. Their mother dying because of a house fire caused by a lit cigarette, I do not remember that being mentioned on the show and you know we have Saz who's our one of our producers who's watching and moderating on YouTube and Saz if you remember that being mentioned on any at any point in the show please let me know or if these guys are just drawing conclusions uh out of thin air because I really I did not know uh, and I thought up until now, we had really no idea what happened to Daryl and Merle's mom. We know we know about the abusive alcoholic father. That's a big storyline. But as far as Merle joining the military and their mother dying because of a fire from a lit cigarette, no idea. No idea. Uh, Khaleesi writes on YouTube, I believe Daryl told Carl... The story about how he lost his mom in a house fire. Okay. Okay. Uh, Khaleesi also writes, after Carl shot Lori, Daryl told Carl. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Singer Chick also writes, I thought he told Beth about his dad abusing him and Merle going off to join the military. You know, that does ring a bell. When um, Beth and Daryl had those moments... When they were split up after the governor took down the prison, uh, that's where Daryl and Beth really got, really became close. And that great episode, that's really just Daryl and uh, Beth alone in that entire episode. That has to be one, you know, one huge big fan favorite episode. Uh, yeah, they had some great talks and that, that military thing now is starting to ring a bell. Uh, Lindsay Sparks writes, it was an episode when, when he was talking to Carl in season three. All right, well, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that because the, the military thing with Beth, now it's starting to ring a bell, but as far as the house fire, no bells whatsoever. Anyway, this last article, I'm going to read you the headline, okay? The Walking Dead World Beyond will lead directly into the Rick Grimes movies. Gee, I wonder who's been saying that for the longest time now. Anyway, The Walking Dead World Beyond ended its first season uh, several Sundays ago with a few twists that ultimately saved a, a season that started off slowly but picked up dramatically in the last few episodes. As it, turn, as it turns out, Annette Mahandru's character, Huck, who was also a former guest of ours, was a mole all along. In fact, her character's real name is Jennifer, and she is the daughter 
of the Lieutenant Colonel of the CRM, Elizabeth Kublik. The reveal, in addition to Hope's decision to surrender herself to the CRM, sets up what is essentially another all-out war between the CRM and the remnants of the campus colony, including Felix, Iris, Silas, and Elton. Now, I got to call a timeout on that. Uh, all-out war? I would not go that, go that far as calling it all-out war. The CRM is a superior, advanced group with technology, weapons, the conveniences that were there before the apocalypse. It's not going to be the, an all-out war where you can take Negan and his saviors, and if you combine Alexandria Hilltop, the kingdom, and Oceanside, yeah, there you have sort of an even match type of uh, war. But no, the CRM against uh, Felix and Silas and the other teens, no. At best, they can go in and try to save the people that are in the CRM, get the hell out, and let's see how they end it. But the point of this article is what I've been saying all along, that the reason why uh, World Beyond was even made in the first place was to give us the information that we need before we go into the Rick Grimes movies that can't be provided either on the main show, The Walking Dead, or Fear the Walking Dead. Anyway, it goes on to say, with a limited two-season series, however, what is the end game? How does that all-out war end? Where it began, of course, with Rick Grimes. According to Annette herself in an interview with ComicBook.com, we're the lead up to the movies, so we're going there. Now, <laughs> I got to point it out. Annette was our guest uh, a week ago, a week and a half ago, and I specifically told her how, uh, how I personally saw World Beyond being the lead in into the Rick Grimes movies. And she had this, huh, you know, never really thought of it that way type of look. Well, apparently it stuck with her because now, now Annette is mentioning it on interviews that she's doing. So, all right, Annette, good for you. Uh, she goes on to say, we're the lead up to the movies, so we're going there. All the questions fans have had uh, for... I don't know inherently what, a decade, right? Our show is the answer to that. So we are very much heading towards the CRM. I mean, that is the helicopter. We are getting really close, you know? Still, despite the end of the series leading into the Rick Grimes movies, Scott Gimple, the architect of the Walking Dead universe, wants viewers to know that Rick Grimes will not again, I repeat, will not be making an appearance in World Beyond. That's one I don't know if people are being cagey about that, but I feel that's one important not to be cagey about, Gimple told comicbook.com. I think people could watch this show and learn a lot about the mythology that Rick Grimes is currently caught up in, and they might even see places where Rick Grimes has been. I just don't like people watching it and expecting Rick to show up. Gimple also added that he and others are very much still cranking away on the movies. They're very excited about the prospect uh, for theaters. I've said it before. I think he's being a little optimistic about a, a theatrical-only release in 2021. Uh, maybe if it was down the line, we might get back to movies being movie theaters being more relevant again. But I, at this point, I see, I see the Rick Grimes movies being released the same way Warner Brothers just announced they're going to be releasing their movies. It's going to be released to a very limited amount of theaters, and then more than likely on that very same day it gets released to those limited theaters, it is going to be available on AMC+. 
That's my theory. Anyway, he goes on, Scott goes on to say, as we move toward the spring, he told Hollywood Reporter, we're talking about things potentially getting better in a permanent way. He's talking about COVID. I would hope that come that, sorry, I would hope that come the end of next summer, people are piling into movie theaters again and laughing till they're screaming together, eating popcorn together, and that we're once more enjoying each other's company in front of a huge screen with awesome things happening on it. And we hope to be a part of it. And Scott, I'm with you. I I hope that as well. But being realistic, I don't see that happening in 2021. I think COVID has forever changed the landscape of the uh, movie theater. Uh I'm not saying movie theaters are going to go away once we do get through this really rough uh, time with COVID and the pandemic. And uh, down the line, movie theaters are still going to survive this. And they will still be a part of our, you know, outdoor entertainment lives. But we are seeing a shift in the entertainment industry and it's shifting a lot more towards at-home, video-on-demand. There are streaming services popping up left and right, new content, and all these studios, these TV networks are starving for new content. It's just an adjustment, and they have to adjust. This is the world we live in right now, and, uh, you know, things are going to have to change. Let's see what you guys have been saying. Uh, I'm a white boy, writes, uh, the CRM has 250,000. They have 200,000. Uh, that's what Elizabeth said in the World Beyond episode. Sammy on Facebook is with us. Uh, Lindsay on Facebook writes, yep, I agree with you, Viz. It's not all-out war. Uh, I'm a white boy on YouTube also writes, Scott Gimple said that like last year, I believe, though. Yeah, they're repeating lines that he said a while ago. They're just keep reprinting it and reprinting it and reprinting it. Summer, who is back on Twitter today, says, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's see. I'm a white boy also writes, yep, it's not, it's not like Elizabeth is about to execute someone and in comes Rick. That's right. We have to wait and see. Just have to wait and see. Uh, let's see. On the Instagram side, Brandon Goodwin is with us and waving. Welcome, Brandon. One Forge saying, Hail Dead. Also giving us a lot of explosions. Stuart Truthy is with us. Welcome back, Stuart. It's good to see you again. Andrew Valentine is also with us. Welcome, Andrew. Ortega is also with us on Instagram. Welcome to all you guys. And now let's get on to our topic for today. And this is an interesting topic. We are going to be talking about horror movie plot twists, in particular, endings, okay? I have seen a lot of great horror movies over the years that have been completely decimated by the last 30 seconds of the movie. And what I mean by that is that these directors, writers, uh, make this... They have this great story, they put together a really good movie, and then they really try to get fancy on how to close it out, the ending. And it almost feels like they have an obligation to create a plot twist. And sadly, well over 90% of the time, these plot twists that these directors, producers, write, writers come up with falls flat on its face and it really ends up screwing up the rest of the movie. The ending is probably one of the most important parts of any movie as well as TV shows. Now, for TV shows, it's different because you have an episode, then you have another episode, but I'm talking about season finales or series finales on how they're wrapping up a story. I can give you guys plenty of examples of series 
that wrapped up beautifully uh, after years of telling the story. And I can give you other examples on how they completely just fell flat. There's a great movie uh, many years ago uh, with Johnny Depp. It's called Secret Window. Uh, it's a horror movie. Uh, Johnny Depp plays a writer who has a psychotic break. Now, Johnny Depp is an amazing actor. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm not going to just spoil it for you. But, you know, he plays a writer in that movie. And there's this one line that he says in the movie that has always stuck with me. And that is, it's all about the ending. And his character is right. He's a writer. He writes uh, crime, horror type stories. And especially when it comes to horror movies, it really does come down to the ending. And like I said, I've seen a lot of movies where they try to get fancy. They fall flat on their face. And it's funny, when I'm watching those kind of movies, and I'm like, okay, great, end it right here. Don't go on, don't go on. I'm like yelling at the TV sometimes, stop it right here. It's a great stopping point. But they add a few more extra scenes. They try to get really fancy, and they just go flat. It, they ruin it. They ruin it. Uh, Lindsay Sparks writes, love Johnny Depp and Secret Window. Secret Window is one of those underrated, really great, kick-ass movies. Uh, if you guys haven't watched it, it stars Johnny Depp. I want to say it came out sometime in the early 2000s. I could be completely wrong, but it's not a recent movie. It's at least 15 plus years, if not more. Uh, you know, there's a great website, guys, and an app called Just Watch. So either get the app for your phone or mobile device. Like I said, it's called Just Watch. And what you do is you open up the app, you type in the name of the movie, and it will show you all the various streaming sites that that movie is available for you to watch, whether it's Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, or whatnot, CBS, HBO, it doesn't matter. It shows you where you can watch it for free as part of a streaming service or where you have the option to either rent or buy the movie. So I really rec recommend this app. It's called Just Watch. And any movie, you want to find out where to watch it, just type it in there and it'll tell you exactly uh, where to go and watch it. Uh, somebody mentioned Lost on how they hit it, hated that ending. The Sopranos. Yeah, The Sopranos. Yeah, that ending, uh, you know. Lost, another one. Lost got really weird. I mean, when it when it comes to TV shows, Lost just got really weird in the last few seasons. Uh, Khaleesi said that it came out in 2004. So Secret Window came out in 2004. Anyway, highly recommend it. Now going on, continuing on with plot twists, you got to start out with a movie that became such a sleeper hit. And that is Bruce Willis's The Sixth Sense. Okay? Uh, I am going to spoil some movies here for you guys. So if you haven't watched it, I'm sorry. But in order to make this episode work, I got to tell you what these great plot twists are. Uh, the Sixth Sense left an impression on pop culture that is being felt to this day. Even if you've never seen the movie, you've heard someone utter the words... I see dead people. That's from The Sixth Sense. The movie's twist ending is so famous that everyone knows exactly what it is. M. Night Shyamalan argued, arguably never lived up to that, triumph, to that triumph ever again. And basically, Sixth Sense is about a, a psychologist who works with kids in the very beginning of the movie he gets an award from the city of philadelphia uh there's a break-in into his house one of his patients from years ago 
has gone into a complete psychotic break and he ends up shooting Bruce Willis. And then we go on to the next scene. Uh, some time has passed and Bruce Willis has that really screwed him up and he's trying to help another kid. This other kid sees dead people. He can see ghosts that no one else can. He's a medium. He's a psychic. Anyway, to lead you to the big plot twist ending, at the end of the movie, we get the big holy cow that Bruce Willis is indeed dead. And he was dead for the entire movie. And the only one that could see him was that little boy. And that little boy did not even know that Bruce Willis was dead. It's just one of those great endings. You never see it coming. Great twist. And it has tried... It, well, not tried. It's definitely been copied in many movies after it. And you could arguably say that The Sixth Sense and its big ta-da type ending is what sets up all these new movies in trying to create their own last minute of the movie plot twist in order to make it the next Sixth Sense. And like I said, over 90% of the time, they fall flat on their face. If it would be that easy to come up with that great of an idea each and every time, well, everybody would be doing it. Um, uh, Summer on Twitter writes, man, Sixth Sense was crazy. I see dead people. Uh, Khaleesi writes, I was in total shock at the ending of that. I can figure out a TV show, but most movies and this one yanked the rug right out from underneath me. Lindsay on Facebook writes, I just got a whole book on movie monsters from The Walking Dead to Dawn of the Dead. That sounds very interesting. Uh, welcome to Goldie Singh on Instagram. Marie, who's our, uh, you know, one of our moderators on uh, Instagram, not a big horror fan. Even she says, I see dead people. That's how famous that line became from the movie. And... You know, one copycat, and this is a, and the only reason I'm going to mention this as a copycat from The Sixth Sense is a movie called The Others, starring Nicole Kidman, where, I mean, we've all seen paranormal movies where we see a family or a person in a haunted house or whatever, disembodied voices, poltergeist activity stuff moving, scary jump scares and all that stuff. Now, The Others is great because it has another great twist that you don't see coming till the end of the movie. Again, it stars Nicole Kidman, and uh, it takes place in the 1940s, I believe, uh, like right towards the end or after World War II. But anyway, I'm going to totally spoil it for you guys, okay? Great movie. Uh Nicole Kidman and her two children are living in this house that is presumably haunted. Stuff is moving, disembodied voices. But at the end of the movie, you find out that Nicole Kidman and her two kids are the ghosts. And the stuff that they're hearing, uh, you know, the disembodied voices, the stuff moving around is from the living. Okay? And it's great. I loved it. It's it was it was a reverse paranormal movie where you get to see it from the spirit's point of view. And there's even a bigger reveal at the end of that movie in that Nicole Kidman, the mother of her two kids, was responsible for her kids' deaths. And they are trapped in that house. So I know I just spoiled it, but if you guys want another good movie to watch, check it out. It's called The Others. How many of you guys out here have seen The Blair Witch Project? Okay. How many of you guys would call the, who have seen The Blair Witch Project, would call that ending a good plot twist? Where you basically see uh, one of the guys standing in the corner, looking, you know, just like a kid in a timeout staring at a corner 
You have uh, the woman coming up to him. Boom. All you see the camera fall down, and that's it. It fades out. Now, the movie led to sequels. The sequels were not very good. Uh, the Blair Witch Project, what made that so great, was uh, it wasn't about what you got to see on the screen. It's more of a psychological paranormal horror where it's the stuff you did not see that left it up to your imaginations that made it okay. That made it pretty good. Uh, I just didn't like the part where they went really out of their way when the movie came out in the 90s into really making you believe that this actually happened. And they really went out of their way uh, to try to make it seem like this really, the events, the tapes being found was actually a true story. And a lot of people fell for it. A lot of people fell for it. Anyway, now we're running out of time. I have a lot of great movies. Next on the list uh, that I want to talk about is the original Saw movie. Okay? The Saw movies started out with the original Saw. uh, Introduced us to the the killer Jigsaw. uh, You know, twisted guy creates all these uh, contraptions to uh, save people in which he believes are neglecting their lives. They're not living their lives to their full potential. So his way of saving them is to put them into pretty much death-type situations, having to do the unimaginable, whether it's cutting off your limb or whatnot. But anyway... I want to talk about the ending of the original Saw movie, okay? For those of you guys that have said it, uh, you know, C.C. Weezy writes, I love Jigsaw. Uh, Khaleesi writes, love the Saw movies. First one was the best. And I remember watching the first one. I didn't see it in the movies. I watched it at home with my brother. And we were just amazed at this movie. Like, we just gave it a chance to see what it was about on how amazing it was. Carrie Always was also a star in that movie. Two guys uh, wake up in this nasty abandoned bathroom, uh, chained by their feet on either either end of the bathroom, and right between them is a dead body, a presumably dead body. Anyway, they have to go through a series of tests to basically reveal their own sins, and it comes down to one of them having to cut off their own leg to save himself. And Carrie always is the one actor, that his character is the one that does it. And the big twist, the big horror plot twist in that movie is that that presumable, presumably dead body that the whole movie was laying in between them was not dead at all. That was Jigsaw. That was the killer. He was the one that was responsible for putting those two guys in the bathroom. Now, Saw led to a, a bunch of sequels uh, with uh, Costa Mandalore being a big part of them. He was great in uh, a lot of the sequels of the Saw movies. But you see how, uh, you know, Jigsaw's influence over the people that have survived his tests actually go on to work with him. They, it, he convinces them to join him in their efforts to help other people. Very twisted, but I have to mention that when we're talking about horror, you know, plot, twist, endings. Now, another movie, and this is going way back, uh, I don't know how many of you have saw the original The Shining, okay, with Jack Nicholson, you know, the great Jack Nicholson, that famous scene where he's chopping through the door, sticks his face into that hole and says, here's Johnny. Anyway, that movie ends uh, in a way that even me, who has seen the movie many times, still is questioning the meaning of the ending. And in the ending, uh, the whole movie takes place in an empty hotel. After the story is taken care of, they, the camera zooms in on a picture on a wall taken taken place many, many years before, decades before. And there in the picture is Jack Nicholson's character. Uh, 
Now, what does that mean? And you're right, Khaleesi, the name of the hotel is The Overlook. What does that mean? Why is Jack Nicholson in this picture taken long before he was probably even born? And the premise of the movie is that he gets taken over by the spirits in the Overlook Hotel. He goes ballistic, psycho, possessed goes after his own family, tries to kill his own family. The movie is scary as hell. It's a great movie, Stanley Kubrick. Scary as hell. Uh, I definitely recommend if you haven't watched it yet. Um, There is a sequel that came out within the last several years, like two, three years ago, called Doctor Sleep, which is also amazing uh, when it comes to sequels. Uh, so I just still personally don't understand the ending of the Shining movie. Why, what does it mean that Jack Nicholson's character was in that picture from the Overlook Hotel decades, decades before the movie was taking place? I just don't understand it, but it doesn't take away, uh, the greatness of the movie itself. Now, Psycho. How many of you guys saw Alfred Hitchcock's... Sorry, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. That's ending after it's revealed that, you know, Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates, suffers from split personality. He's taken on the persona of his dead mother. Uh, And the way that ends, uh, when he's in the police station and they have him in handcuffs, he's about to be put away, uh assumably for the rest of his life. And he starts talking in his mom's voice and that sinister smile on his face, which I've used in the opening credits of my show here because that's just a classic scene. You know, when Anthony Perkins puts on that sinister smile that, you know, they're never going to separate him from his, you know, beloved mother. Uh, Loved it. Uh, It does star Janet Leigh, who is Jamie Lee Curtis's? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is Janet Lee's daughter. Jamie Lee Curtis comes from uh, two very famous parents. Janet Lee and Tony Curtis are her parents. So Jamie Lee Curtis definitely comes from a rich talent background. Anyway, guys, we are out of time for tonight. I'm just going to briefly mention uh, the three other movies I had on the list. The original Friday the 13th, when we see Jason Voorhees popping out of the lake and dragging Alice down, whether that happened, didn't happen, was it a dream, was it not a dream, still a head-scratcher. Insidious, the the first movie Insidious, after Josh returns from what they call the further, and later on we find out that that lady in black is not really a lady, and so on. And lastly, I'm going to mention a movie that probably none of you guys have ever even heard of, uh, Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp is a movie that was made back in the 1980s, and, you know, if you want to watch it, I'm not going to spoil that ending for you. It has a, it's a great movie, uh, very, you're not going to hear much about it unless you're really big into uh, horror movies. Rebecca on YouTube has watched it, but yeah, check out Sleepaway Camp. Very underrated, amazing horror movies from the 1980s. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, as always, talking to you for this last hour. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. Tomorrow's guest is uh, Spears from Black Summer, Justin Chu Carey. Thursday's guest is Jamie King rose from black summer so two amazing guests the two leads of black summer back to back starting tomorrow so tune in for that you can get our entire guest list by going to our website deadtalklive.com so stay safe until tomorrow guys as always remember to stay walking good night